Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. Now it's time for My Portfolio with John Lee. It's been an intriguing start to the year for investors, with sterling hitting new lows, driving the stock market to a record high. Forecasting the future direction of markets is a tricky business, but for investors who maintain a long-term view, the importance of growing dividends and hard assets continue to stand out. And uh, uh, John is a man who takes the long-term very seriously. He's FT columnist, uh, Lord Lee, author of the book How to Make a Million Slowly, My Guiding Principles from a Lifetime of Successful Investing. And he joins me in the studio now. John, very nice to talk to you. Now, it's the first time we've um, had a, a conversation uh, before. So it, maybe it's a good time to outline your investment strategy for me and for anybody else who, who missed when we first started the conversations with you. Mm. OK, very happy to try and do so, Simon. Uh, I suppose uh, my main aim uh, in um, trying to make money is actually to avoid losing money. Right. I'm essentially um, a very conservative investor. Uh, I'm a very long-term investor. Uh, I've been investing uh, as a private investor for probably over 50 years. Uh, I think I bought my first share when I was around 15 or 16. Oh, really? So I was long, going to ask. Long what? time ago. £45 worth of a company called Aviation and Shipping, a company who owned one ship, uh, unfortunately, the ship went down and my £45 <laughs> went down with it. So it's not a terribly auspicious start. But over the years, one hopes one's, one's improved. What got you into wanting to invest in, in the first place, given that I suppose your investing career also spans a time when private ownership of equities has declined as the institutions have grown? And, and attendant to that, why weren't you put off by that awful first experience? Uh, well, uh, in terms of interest and, and uh, how I started, uh, I think it was probably a, a family involvement, really. My father, who was a doctor, a uh, general practitioner, uh, used to very much enjoy the stock market and uh, uh, he used to invest his modest savings in it. Uh, and my early memories of him... Um, it was him sitting on the floor of uh, what he made his library with a great pile of Investor's Chronicles and a great pile of Stock Exchange Gazettes, uh, puffing his pipe and uh, digging into these uh, uh, these rather strange magazines, uh, as I regarded them then. And then, I, first of all, I used to pull his leg a little, and then I started to delve myself uh, and um, you know, found it all quite fascinating. And, um, uh, you know, as I say, I bought my first share... Um, with my savings, £45 worth, and um, uh, sadly, sadly lost the lot. I'm sorry to hear. So why didn't it put you off, though? Uh, I can't, honestly, honestly can't remember at the time, but I think I, f I found it sufficiently absorbing and fascinating to want to continue and do rather better. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm glad to say that over the years, uh, yes, one's performance has... Uh, uh, has improved, uh, one never, but one never stops learning. No, so in the early days, though, presumably you are you are not able to to 
to create a portfolio at the beginning because you're starting with a relatively small amount of money, not necessarily um, sure. yes, such that, a limited that's, amount. That's right. So, you're, 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 you're buying very small amounts. I mean, I mean, I would probably be, you know, buying in some cases sort of £50 worth of, uh, uh, of a share uh, and then, then maybe, um, you know, selling it if I saw a, a short-term profit mm. uh, or, or taking a loss. Uh, in a way, those early years were, were, were learning years mm. rather than uh, years when I was actually trying to build up a uh, you know, great yes. amount of capital. Uh, but over the years, with a combination of savings and and, um, uh, and one or two investments that, that you know, did perform quite well, one gradually uh, has built up um, you know, a fair portfolio over the years. And how did you learn? Was it simply by trial and error? Was it by reading books on investment, magazines on investment, or talking to other investors? I think a combination of everything. Probably not talking to other investors uh, at that stage, Um, but uh, parallel to uh, my early years of investing, I was studying to become a charter accountant, which I did. Um, I left school, grammar school, when I was 16, uh, into an accountant's office in Manchester, did five years articles, and so I was qualified when I was 21, 22, and then went into a stockbroker's office in Manchester. Um, so, um, you know, I, I thought that was marvellous because they were then paying me uh, to actually read the Financial yes. Times and and, uh, and practice my hobby. Um, and and one, was, um, one was learning then. And, of course, I did a lot of reading of the uh, stock market magazines that were available then, the... the Investors Chronicle, which of course is still going, uh, and the Investors and the uh, Stock Exchange Gazette, which is now defunct, and of course I used to read the city pages of the the daily papers yeah. and the Financial Times at uh, weekends. Little did I think that uh, uh, in the future I'd be writing for the Financial Times. I've now ri- written probably around two hundred and fifty articles for them uh, over the years. Um, so um, it's been a very interesting uh, investment career from from my point of view. Mm. Was the accountancy useful today? Five years doing articles in an accountancy. Is it important for investors to really to be able to understand the numbers to so look b- below the the bonnet and see what? I, I think I think it I think it helps, but I think more than anything else, uh, it's a question of um, uh, of applying common sense uh, and patience. Uh, those are the two ingredients that uh, that I believe you require for successful investment: common sense and patience. And the most important, actually, is patience. And the biggest problem. For most investors, uh, the biggest weakness, their biggest failing, in my view, is uh, a reluctance to take the long view to uh, regard the stock market more as a casino. And uh, uh, they see a profit, you know, they take it as it were. They're in and out. They're dealing. uh, And uh, bluntly, that is not the way to uh, to make money. Though you confess that that is what you did in the early days. So you you began to learn that actually... If you do that, the person who's going to benefit is the stockbroker. Exactly. They benefited. uh, And one gradually learns that the way to make serious money is to get into something good uh, and stay with it. Uh, uh, There's an old American adage which uh, rather crudely says, you know, you make money by sitting on your ass, as it were. Get into something and stay. And this is the biggest... uh, the biggest hurdle that I think a lot of private investors do have. And if people say to me, you know, what should I be buying? Can you give me some advice? I say, yes, I'm very happy to recommend, you know, half a dozen shares to you, as it were, as a little portfolio for, you know, for friends, because I don't do this professionally. Uh, And um, I say the only proviso is that really, um, you know, you must be taking a sort of a five-year-plus 
view of these companies. Don't come to me in, in six weeks' time or six mm. months' time and say, you know, look, it's gone down a little or it's not actually appreciated. What, what you're doing, uh, what I believe you should be doing, is, is buying uh, a share or shares, a small stake in a company. Hopefully the company grows. Hopefully uh, your shareholding grows with it. Uh, dividends increase uh, and the value of your portfolio builds mm. up on that basis. Um, you talk a lot about uh, small caps. You have an interest in, in um, smaller companies. Why particularly do you want to focus on the, a sector of the market that perhaps is not necessarily ignored, but it's much less uh, covered. Uh, minutely covered yes, than yes. bigger companies? <clears throat> I think it probably stems initially from my um, regional background in Manchester and the broker that I was with there, uh, because, of course, at that stage, and we're going back now probably to the 19 into the 1960s and 1970s, um, there were many more smaller companies, mm. smaller quoted companies uh, around, particularly in the regions. Uh, and there had it been a Manchester Exchange, hadn't there? Oh, yes. I mean, uh, 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 in the old days, of course, all the major cities had their own yes. stock, stock exchange in Manchester, in Birmingham, in, in Liverpool, in Glasgow, I think, as well. Um, uh, of course, now, of course, you know, we have more... Uh, more of a national exchange, yes. as as uh, um, you know, as, as things have um, have changed in communication terms. Uh, so I really got to to um, to learn my my stockbroking, as it were, by uh, learning about those smaller quoted PLCs. Uh, and logically, of course, if you think about it, the smaller company is less well covered by analysts and by major institutions because clearly they're investing much larger sums of money and therefore some of the small stocks don't really uh, appeal. Um, but to me, I found, found that area particularly fascinating, the smaller uh, quoted company, particularly those where there's a strong family mm. uh, involvement, uh, what I term proprietorial PLCs, um, where the family is is uh, family member is running the business, family have a big stake in it, uh, and um, the generation running it steward the business, and that's a word I very much like, as it were, stewarding yes. the, the the business they're running, conscious of the family history in building up the business, conscious of the maiden aunt who may have a big shareholding in the business uh, and, and gets no salary from it, but yes. is reliant on the dividends. So um, uh, uh, an approach of stewarding, of building up the business gradually, not taking excessive risks. So a very different attitude to the sort of um, FTSE CEO who sort of parachuted in from some uh, other operation. Very, very, mu very much so. I, I'm really only interested in investing in companies where the people running the business have significant stakes yes. in, those, in those businesses because it really does concentrate the mind. Uh, you know, I, w I want... Uh, to feel that the people running the business have actually invested real money in those businesses. Uh, and that, the other point is that I'm tending to come in at a stage when that business is already making money, is already paying dividends, hopefully um, has cash in the bank rather than very heavy borrowings. Uh, because I believe, come back to one of the points I made, I think, earlier, that the key to successful investment is to avoid the losses. It's the, it's the losses that drag down overall performance. And I draw a parallel between the stock market and golf. Uh, I have to say I was a very poor, high-handicap golfer. <clears throat> but if the round is going well and on the 17th hole you hit the ball into the river or in the, yes. in the woods, your round is ruined. 
And so the key to, to building a successful portfolio is to avoid the losses. Uh, and that's why I'm very conservative in terms of the types of companies that I'm investing in and also now um, employ what I term a 20% stop loss um, so that if I have got it wrong and the share goes down, uh, I don't suffer too great a hit because I, I get out fairly quickly. Yes, I wish I'd been talking to you a year ago. I've got a loss on one share of 85%. And of course, it's now gone down so much there isn't any point in my now sure, selling it. Sure. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Share Radio. We are talking my portfolio with uh, Lord Lee. Um, John, let's have a look at how your portfolio has done over the last year. And I know we're almost, oh no, we are at the end of January now, we're into, into February. Uh, but let's see how it did in 2017. We know that the market, uh, as measured by the FTSE, did incredibly well. Um, but I sort of kept reading that smaller companies, by and large, were not getting the same Brexit benefit effect. Um, how did your portfolio fare in 2016? It was it was um, a middling year, I would say. Uh, I think overall, uh, I, I showed something like sixteen percent appreciation. Uh, I think last the year before, I think it was about eighteen uh, percent. So sixteen percent capital appreciation and probably two and a half to three percent of dividend yield as well. So I suppose the total return last year of around nineteen percent, eighteen, nineteen percent. What I'm looking to do, of course is to um, show appreciation year on year. That's what I'm looking for. Mm. Now, um, I, I don't invest in um, what I term risky mining stocks, exploration yes. stocks, biotech stocks. And, of course, those who uh, had invested in mining and commodity stocks during the year, uh, many of whom were bombed out at the start of the year, really did extremely well. Um, people would have made a lot of money. So, so that whole sector... Um, was in a sense excluded because I don't invest in them. Long term, what what one is looking for is year on year growth, both of capital and income. Uh, And so I was really quite happy to have achieved that sort of figure. Do you believe in investing in what you can understand? Do you leave alone companies where you just don't really comprehend how the business runs? I've I've really got to understand the 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 business not necessarily in a very deep technical sense but at least a, a broad understanding of of the product uh, and the brand uh, that's one of the things that i that i look at um obviously that one looks at the profits record uh, as i mentioned earlier the the state that the people running the business uh, have in it uh, and uh, also the comments of course the latest comments that come from the company uh, in terms of uh, the future, guides to future performance. Uh, And what I'm looking for also are UK-quoted companies uh, that that operate under our our corporate governance standards, which are pretty high here, Uh, you know, not 100% ideal, but pretty good compared with many uh, in in the rest of the world, but the companies that trade overseas. So a company based here, but really oper- yes. operating an international business. Yes. And many of those, of course, 
um, did benefit and have benefited from the depreciation in in sterling post uh, post Brexit. Now you talk about dividends. People don't necessarily associate dividend income with smaller companies. Businesses that are are growing would like to be plowing the money back into the the business. Um, so are they paying dividends because you've been holding for quite a long time and the business has been growing, therefore the dividend income has been rising? I mean, that's something that many investors don't even seem to think of, that if you're holding a share for 10 years, it may pay next to nothing to begin with, but it could actually be paying in a very large yield in a, a, a decade or more. Yes, well, I like I like to go in um, when I see a decent dividend yield. I, you know, I don't like to buy, com- to buy companies when they're yielding just, you know, certainly not when the I, I won't really invest when they're no, paying no dividend at all or very rarely yes. um so i would like to go in ideally in the old days when i started to invest one one could fairly easily get to yields of sort of five six seven percent now it's much more difficult but nevertheless you know there are still good companies yielding four four and a half five percent that one can invest in and if one sees and finds a company with a growing dividend uh, and reinvest that dividend, particularly in an ISA, and I'm very focused on on building up my ISA. Um, reinvesting the dividends does have a have a uh, an amazing compounding effect, uh, and one can build quite a sizable pot within an ISA, and also have a very attractive uh, annual dividend yield that, of course, is tax free. Mm. Um, and do you need money from your portfolio? Do you need to extract money from it? Or are you simply trying to build it all the time? It depends on the, on the, on the individual, obviously. Um, uh, and if you have alternate, alternative sources of income, as uh, you know, I, I'm still fortunate in doing you know, one or two directorships and still one gets, a, thankfully, an allowance in the House of Lords, uh, then one, uh, I, I, the answer really is, as far as investment income is concerned, the uh, the investment income from, from my non-ISA portfolio, I actually take. Um, mm. The dividends within the ISA, uh, I reinvest. That's, that's a very broad mm. brush statement. Um, and, of course, that money in the ISA is, is because it's tax-free and free of income tax and capital gains tax, uh, it, it really is a very attractive tax-free mm. pot. I mean, the, the the ISA today, in my view, is probably the most attractive investment opportunity in, in the Western world. Uh, and I've really focused uh, in, in investing in ISAs, or originally PEPs, of course, mm. from when they first came out, I think, in about 1988. Do you think for modest investors that's worthwhile? Oh, absolutely sure, sir. So if they just keep, yes. keep investing, because I confess I've never been tempted necessarily by the, I don't feel I'm ever likely to pay capital gains tax, but maybe that's not because I've been looking far enough ahead. I think that I think that's right. I mean, I, I think almost anyone who has got any savings at all should have an ISA. Um, me, the majority, of course, do have cash ISAs, mm. um, but I encourage people to you know, invest in the stock market uh, and to to back their own judgment and apply common sense. Uh, to it and do the required amount of research, uh, and you know, over the years, provided one one is careful and prudent, uh, and uh, you know, there is a fair wind uh, in the economy, one can actually do pretty well. I was reading the paper today just how much money people have foregone if they had cash ices rather than corresponding. That's um, right. Stock market ices. That's right. So uh, let's. Uh, make all of us rather uh, envious. Tell us what uh, share did did best last year, which is the one that we all would wish that we had held that's in your portfolio. Well, the, 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 I had no takeovers last year. Um, and usually, actuarially, you know, one probably ends up with 
one taker. I've probably got it now. I've reduced the number of holdings. I've probably got around 20 holdings. So I, I do concentrate very much on building up individual holdings. Uh, the best performance was a company called Treat, T-R-E-A-T-T, um, who were in flavours and fragrances um, based in Bury St Edmunds, uh, operating internationally, um, buying ingredients from 70 countries, big presence in the United States, doing a lot of work uh, on uh, currently on um, uh, flavoured beers uh, and also particularly, and this is a very interesting area, on uh, alternatives to sugar, uh, which right. is, of course is a huge market and I think it's a very uh, interesting business. It's one, it's probably my largest holding, uh, did appreciate very well last year, 52%. Um, a growing dividend, and uh, I think their AGM was last year, last week, uh, and they, um, uh, you know, they made quite an encouraging mm. trading statement saying uh, things are going pretty well this year. The year started well, so I'm looking forward to a good year. But I think that firm has got a very considerable future, and I'm staying very firmly aboard. Now, you talked about how you wanted to invest for for, for the long term, how you shouldn't deal uh, too often. But does that mean that you try not to look at your portfolio very often, or do you monitor it? How time-consuming is it? It's not too time-consuming now. Um, I normally speak to my stockbroker in the morning around 8 o'clock, and he runs through the prices with me and um, uh, sends me any particular news that's been announced uh, that relates to any of my uh, any of my holdings. Uh, and then um, also I get from him uh, a printout at the end of the day of uh, uh, the companies that I'm interested in, either my own or, or others that um, you are on a watch yes. list. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I follow it fairly closely, as it were. But as I say, increasingly, the older I get, the the uh, the, the less frequent I deal. Mm. Well, thank you very much indeed. Uh, absolutely fascinating. I look forward to our conversations over the uh, coming uh, months. Uh, I have been talking to uh, Lord Lee, a columnist, of course, uh, with the FT, um, despite the fact he started out just as a young whippersnapper and a Manchester stockbroker. Um, his book is How to Make a Million Slowly, My Guiding Principles from a Lifetime of Successful Investing, and we'll be having more conversations very soon. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.